0: Hello, welcome to the Stubborn Tortoise podcast. I'm Donna Pazdera. Well, (laughs) I think everybody's a little preoccupied this week. Um, and my hat is off to you. If you were able to get in all the mileage that you were expecting to, um, and just sort of being able to mentally tune out all the noise. Um, unfortunately I was not, I mean, you know, I managed to get in a couple of decent runs, but to be honest with you, um, it was not what I was hoping for. Um, I know I seem to be, I seem to be on this trajectory of, um, just sort of letting my head get in the way. And, uh, even though I have the best of intentions and, um, so yeah, so this pandemic continues to rage out of control. Um, Okay. You know me, I'm always very personal and uh, I'll just share something with you. So yesterday I ran five at uh, Hardburger Park West, um, which is one of my favorite local parks, uh, just because it's got like real trail on it. And, you know, I did okay; It was fine. I mean, it wasn't especially fast or anything, but I got in five. Um, And then afterward, I went over to the HEB which is almost across the street. It's this, uh, plaza called Alon, I think, or Alon, I don't know. Um, everything's pronounced differently in Texas, so I never know. Um, but it's probably the nicest HEB that I've been to in San Antonio. Um, it's even like the lighting is different. The, I don't know. It's just, it's just really nice. And I mean, and of course, I, I will not even begin to tell you how much money I spent, but I spent a ridiculous amount of money there yesterday. And because I was able to find products that I normally can't find. And so I was like, yeah, cool. You know, I'm going to take two of these <laughs> instead of just one. You know? <laughs> Anyway, yeah, it was kind of embarrassing. But anyway, I, uh, but I got in there and I don't know, there's just something about the ambiance of that place it reminded me of the Kroger store near my sister's and it just made me really start. I'm sorry. I I don't want to cry, but it just made me miss her and it just made me miss my family and, you know, going back home and, you know, we've, she and I have talked just in case you, you know, are just tuning in. Okay. I hate Halloween. Okay. I really do. Halloween, 1998, my mom, was in hospice and she was in there for about five months. Okay. I'm sorry. I know this is not really about running right now, but whatever. It's just about what's going on in my head. And, um, and I was able to, I was fortunate in that I was able to take, I don't know, like 10 days off every couple of months uh, at my job at the Sun Sentinel in Fort Lauderdale, even though I had a terrible editor who expected me to change my plane ticket to accommodate the schedule I was assigned to work regardless of my mother's health. Um, and also just because, um, I don't think he got it. I don't think he, he got that my mom was dying and that this was awful. My mom had breast cancer and, um, you know, we, we, I made the painful decision. Jesus, this is getting <laughs> really personal. Oh my God. I'm sorry. <laughs> anyway. Uh, but Hey, you know, I don't mind telling this story because it's important to me and, and, and I like sharing it. And so when my mom turned 63, we, I went home and we had this nice birthday party for, her. we went to Benihana, which was like one of her favorite places. And we all wore birthday hats and, and whatnot. And, um, but even in the middle of the night, I mean, cause I was back home on one of my 10 day, you know, stays and, um, you know, she was having trouble getting out of bed and, you know, I'd have to like sometimes call a neighbor or even 911 just to help her get off the floor, you know, because I couldn't always do it or to get her off the toilet, you know? And so, um, yeah, it, it was, it was really hard. And anyway, so we put, so I had to make the decision, um, August 8th, 1998, that we needed to put my mom in the hospice because we knew it wasn't going to get any better. And um, my mom had bravely battled, you know, the breast cancer for about five years. And the thing that I've noticed about breast cancer is that um, women, if they are postmenopausal and they make it past five years, they can either go one of two ways they either, you know, rally on and they're great or they get terminal, and unfortunately, in my mom's case, she became terminal. And so, I can remember the ambulance taking my mom away to the hospice, and my sister was there, and we just stood there on the you know the you know in the doorway of the front you know the of the living room of my mom's place, and just were weeping and hugging each other because it was just it was horrible. It was just horrible to make that decision and that choice. Cause I felt so guilty and I felt so responsible for it. Um, I don't know why I'm telling this story, but anyway, fast forward, you know, my mom hung out for about another five months and it got to be Halloween and, um, I was on one of my fortunate trips home and, um, and actually the trip before, I think my friend, uh, Sean, uh, an ex-boyfriend, but really more of a dear friend, um, he ended up uh, flying up to Ohio uh, and we met up and, uh, you know, he hung up with my mom. They <laughs> they shared this interest in junk food and watching Golden Girls. And whatnot. <laughs> anyway, and I, I can also remember before my mom, you know, got really ill, we, uh, we <laughs> We watched the full Monty. She also, she, she loved the full Monty and she loved um, the bird cage with Robin Williams. And so we watched, I can remember taking her to see that at the, at the cinema, um, you know, well before she was really ill and uh, she just loved it, you know? And so we'd watch that when she was in hospice, but I can also remember, I'm sorry, this is very woo, random, but it's me. Um but I remember also like one night we were we'd been watching the full Monty and she was like, Well, I think I'm getting a little tired. I think I'm gonna go to sleep. And I'm like, Okay, cool, I'll I'll come back tomorrow and we can finish, you know, whatever. And so I went home or back to her house, slept, and you know, was back there the next morning, you know, nine, ten o'clock in the morning. <laughs> And I I walked into the room and she's there, surrounded by all the nurses. And there's like this freeze frame at the end of all these bare-assed men. And I'm like, Mom. (laughs) And she was just like, I wanted to see the end. (laughs) Just like, oh my God. But anyway, Claire, my Claire. I love her so much. Anyway, sorry. This is really hard. This is really hard. I hate this time of year because, okay, so fast forward or back forward. I don't even know what the hell I'm saying, but anyway, I was home. It was Halloween. My sister had been there and then she, you know, went home and, you know, was staying in, you know, her apartment. And I think she was then dating her now husband and, you know, that was fine. I mean, I was, you know, there to you know bring in the cavalry, you know, or whatever. And, um, but yeah, so we were watching, what were we watching? The Fog with, God, I can't remember who in the world was in that, but it's kind of this scary movie. I don't know. We were just watching a couple of scary movies and, um, and I decided to stay the night with her. Um, I had a little cot on the side of her bed and, um, and, and, and later that night she kind of woke up and she couldn't speak anymore. And it was terrible. And I had to, <laughs> this is so hard for me because I feel like I'm processing a lot of post traumatic grief and, That's not really what this podcast is about, but you know what? I'm just going to share it with you anyway. Um, And she just, she couldn't speak. She was just sort of like repeating things. And it was almost like she was, huh, 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 huh. I don't know. It was horrible. And so I had to call the nurse. It was like about three o'clock in the morning. And I can remember her reading, you know, the Lord is my shepherd, you know, blah, 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 you know, out of the Bible. And, you know, I'm just sitting there like, oh my God. And then they had to start giving her morphine. And again, I had to make the call to put her in the hospice. And then I had to make the call to have her put on morphine, which basically meant that we lost her at that point. Because once you're on morphine, you are not able to communicate with people any longer. Okay. And so that was really, really, really hard. And so she hung on for several days. I mean, I, uh, you know, I I remember calling my uncle and saying, you know, her brother, you know, I'm just like, uncle Johnny, you know, you really need to get here to see my mom because she's going to die, you know? And and with my dad, my dad died of cancer also. And he, um, he just kind of went and like, a couple of days. I mean, really he just went like in about a day or so once we got him in hospice. I mean, he had lung cancer and it was, had not been diagnosed properly for months. And so he basically from the time of diagnosis to the time he died, uh, it was about three months. And so it was a real different experience with my mom. You know, she just was like hanging on. You know, she became kind of like the the rock star of the you know Cincinnati Hospice, and um, you know everybody loved her. And you know, of course they did. You know, my mom was awesome. My mom was like this incredible. I mean, I, I I can only pray that I I am the person that she was, or that I become the person that she was. And I mean, in some ways I think I can, but in other ways I'm not sure I can. You know, and, and anyway. And I'm gonna tell you another little story about my mom because I don't know. This is this is not really about running, but it's just it's hard. And I need to process this and I'm gonna share it with you. It was a few months before my mom died, before she went into hospice. I think it was like June, and I happened to be home, and like the social worker, I don't know if he was from hospice or wherever, but he came over to my mom's house and it was like on a you know afternoon, whatever, you know, and I'm just hanging out. And she told him this story. And It blew my mind because I had never heard this story before, and she was telling him that. I mean, I knew my grandmother, my mom's mom, had tuberculosis, and you know, but that's kind of all I knew. It was just kind of like, "Eh, yeah, she had TB, you know, whatever. But instead, my mom said that most of her childhood was spent away from her mother because they put her her mom in a sanatorium. You know, these these hospitals that were allegedly clean or whatever and you know where they put TB patients and so every Sunday my grandfather would load my mom and uncle Johnny in the car and they would drive over to the sanatorium it's kind of like COVID right now only war I mean you know I don't know I I don't know if COVID's worse it probably is because you can't even see your friend you know your your loved one but they would bring grandma my mom's mom to this big, you know, atrium or this window and they would wave at each other. And that's how my mom knew her mom, you know, for the first 18 or so years of her life or the majority of her life. And by the time my grandmother was released from that sanatorium, my mom was 19 years old and a newlywed. No one had taught her the facts of life. No one had taught her about a lot of things. And fortunately, there was like a woman that lived, I guess, in their apartment building or something, Alma, um, who kind of, you know, was a second mom to my mom and kind of gave her, you know, some tips and things like that. And so I, but I just sat there listening to her tell the story and it was just mind blowing because my mom, my mom was such a great mother. She oh god, I'm sorry, but she instinctively knew what to do, she had me and my sister, okay, she stayed at home with us until we were like in high school, my dad, you know, we we were not rich by any stretch, in fact, we had, to, you know, I think I've talked about this before, but we we, we had to move from the house that my father built when I was born, because we couldn't afford to live there anymore, But, you know, my mom stayed home and made sure that we were taken care of and that we were loved. And it still affects me this day. It's like, oh, my God. She had no role models, but she knew what to do. And I think it says a lot about her. And, um, I mean, my mom wasn't perfect, of course. But, you know, nonetheless, I feel like she was this this incredible role model. I mean, she was like involved as like a Girl Scout leader, mother's club president, you know, at our school, you know, even helped out with 4-H, you know, in the sewing and cooking, even though I couldn't sew worth a darn. (laughs) But she always seemed to know what to do. And I mean, and I was always, once I became a teenager, I was sort of like this reclusive, surly sort of kid, you know, and, and I guess kids go through this as teenagers, but you know, I definitely did. I mean, I was fairly, fairly social as a, you know, younger person, but as I, you know, entered puberty, I think I just, I just didn't need to be around my family anymore. And I just kind of locked myself in my room. And my mom always knew when to knock on the door and come talk to me and just kind of draw me out. And, um, so yeah, anyway, so this time of year is really hard because I think about her and um, it's been a long time and, um, and I miss her. I dream about her and I I can remember one time I had a dream about her and she was just like, I'm like, what do you look like now? And she's like, I still have my smile. And I woke up and I just felt so comforted by that because it just felt so good. It was like, Wow okay, this is, this is cool. You know, because if you look at the three of us, my sister and my mom and I, we all have the same smile. And I think there's something comforting in that. And, um, anyway, so my mom hung on for a few more days and Friends would come in. It was just sort of like this weird reverse funeral service. I mean, oh, and let me just tell you something else. My mom, oh my God, this is how much she loved us. (laughs) She picked out her own urn because she wanted to be cremated. And it was like July of that year. I guess it was probably September, October. I don't know. The funeral director came over and she just wanted to make sure that my sister and I didn't have to go through... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that we didn't have to go through that, that grief or that horror of, of trying to pick out, you know, whatever. And so she even picked out her own urn. <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry. This, <laughs> this, is, this is not what I was planning to talk about today at all. But it feels okay to tell you about it. Because I just feel like this is from the heart and you need to know. And, um... So anyway, so, so yeah, so like the next several days were just sort of like this parade of, of, you know, friends and relatives, um, and her favorite priest, um, came by and she was, she was kind of in and out of consciousness, but I swear when she saw him, she was just like reaching toward his face. And I was like, oh my God, this is really huge. You know, my mom was a very devout Catholic and, uh, and I was not. (laughs) <laughs> and, um, I can remember my sister had gotten on the, cause my uncle Johnny, you know, her only brother, he was like, well, I'm supposed to go down to Florida and visit, you know, one of his daughters or whatever. And my sister's just like, you need to get up here now. Okay. And God love my sister for having the guts to say that to him because I couldn't, you know, I was always sort of the, I don't know what am I like the the peacemaker, the the one who just sort of smooths everything over, kind of like my mom in that way. And uh, anyway, so finally on that last day, Uncle Johnny and a couple of his kids showed up. He had six kids. We had six cousins, and I think it was mainly the girls. And they, I think it was like three of the girls, and they showed up. And I know I think my mom had been waiting for him, and then. That evening, just before sundown, it was, like, November 4th. And it was just before 6 p.m. And it was the weirdest thing because this... And I'm not, like, a religious person at all, but... It was the weirdest thing because we all noticed it. The sun was setting. Because I think daylight saving time had switched over. And um, the sun shone through the blinds in her room. It it just shone on her. And it was almost like God or whoever was saying, okay, I'm getting ready to take her. And then just a few minutes later, she drew her last breath. This is the horrible thing about cancer deaths. Or at least in my experience with my parents, is you're standing there and you're just watching them take their last breaths. And then suddenly it just stops. And then I remember my sister and I giving her a little kiss on her lips, even though her lips were blue and she was cold at the point, point. And that was how we said Goodbye. But anyway, this time of year, I don't really like it. It makes me sad, but I think I'm especially sad this year because we are in the middle of this stupid freaking pandemic. We've got this election that has me, like, in not. I just, I, you know, I'm just praying. It's like a battle of good over evil. And I'm sorry if you're a Trump supporter. I can't, I can't. Okay. I'm sorry. I can't. <laughs> and um, just watching this thing rage and he and his people are just sort of like, whatever, we don't care. We're just going to let it, you know, rip. I'm sorry. I can't, I can't get behind that. if you don't ever want to follow my podcast again if you like him, fine. I really don't care. Because I feel like right now, this is like a battle for the soul of our country. And so I'm really, really preoccupied right now, as you can probably tell. And, um, I mean, who knows what's going to happen? I have no idea. And, you know, I mean, of course I've done what I can, but, I guess we're just going to have to wait and see. I just hope I have the, you know, fortitude to persevere if for some reason he does win and the, Repu- the Republicans take the Senate. Because I just feel like if we don't do something, we are really, really in trouble because I just feel like the series of checks and balances in this country is gone. I feel like there is no coming back from this. It's it's devastating, okay? And I'm sorry. I don't mean to sound like some stupid, you know, emotional rack, but that's kind of what I am. <laughs> um, but anyway, so, yeah, so my running was sort of sucky this week. Whatever. Who cares? Um, <laughs> I'm hoping I can get back to it soon. I'm hoping I can you know, stop being distracted by the noise in my brain. And sometimes I listen to podcasts and I was listening to one yesterday uh, when I was running and it was just like, I can't do this anymore. I just had to put on music because it was just like, it's so stressful. And um, yeah. So anyway, I apologize that this is not like, you know, my usual podcast and that this may not agree with the way you, think about me or, you know, relate to me or anything. And, you know, I'm sorry if you want to hold this against me. Um, but that's, what's going on. And I mean, I'm just super emotional right now because I hate this time of year and I miss my mom. Although I have to say, I'm really glad that she's not here for this crap because this is horrible. And my dad for that matter. Um, anyway, please go out and vote for the love of God. I don't, you know, I can't tell you who to vote for, obviously, but please think about our future, and it's not a red-blue thing, okay? It's more like, okay, do you really want a bunch of people being hostile toward each other, or do you want us to get along harmoniously? And I don't know, even if Joe Biden does get elected, will we get along harmoniously? I don't know. I hope so, but I feel like he's the best chance we've got right now, and um, yeah, that's all I've got for now. We'll see you next time.